acquisition marketing comes in waves. Like sometimes it's really good. You have seasonality, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes CPMs go up. Sometimes algorithm changes. The client service side is uh, a lot more active listening, right? Um, a lot more understanding, a lot more negotiating than when you're on the client side. I brought in professionals that are really good at what they do and let them do what they're awesome at. And they don't, when you do that, there's a little bit of magic. So on today's episode, we go deep. I mean, really deep into subscription commerce for e-commerce. It's a great episode you do not want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hi, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. And I'm your host, Kune Campbell. The 2X e-commerce podcast show is dedicated to digital commerce insights for retail and e-commerce teams. So each week on this podcast, we either get on a commerce expert, a founder of a direct-to-consumer commerce brand, or a representative from a best-in-class commerce SaaS product with a tight remit to give you ideas you can test right away on the brands you're building so you can improve growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value or sales. We are here to help you sell more sustainably. So welcome. Right. So um, on the 2X e-commerce podcast today, this interview you're about to listen to is an interview I had with Evan Paget. Mm-hmm. Evan Paget is the founder, um, he's a co-founder, um, or he likes to refer to himself as a partner and CEO or chief operating officer at Stealth Venture Labs. But that's not the full story. Now, Evan is a um, has got like 20 years, a 20 years veteran. He's, he's, a, he's a veteran in what I would say um, high growth e-commerce businesses. You know, he's he's worked as um a, a COO um at um Just Fab. 
who was a chief executive at JustFab and um, Thrive Market. I'm not sure if you you know about Thrive Market. Um, and they, they, they both inherently are subscription e-commerce businesses. That's his base. And right now with, with um, Stealth Venture Labs, his agency, they are an inc- incubator for um, e-commerce businesses or e-commerce ideas, as well as a growth unit to attach to e-commerce, you know, brands you're trying to to grow, essentially, and and they they work predominantly on acquisition and acquiring and growing e-commerce brands. So he's worked with the likes of JustFab, Shoe Dazzle, and Thrive Market. That that's his his interview. So he we 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 start off with um, his backstory how, you know, the dot-com boom, you know, got him into um, essentially California, you know, South California to, and, and got him to, into these startups, you know, essentially these, these startup environments and how he's grown teams. He's, fun fact, he's managed, um, you know, um, advertising budgets of 30 million um, while he was at, um, I believe, Just Fab. Um, he's, he's run multiple millions at um, his, his other role at um, Thrive Market. Um, all in all, He's an operator. Let's put it that way. He he's not um, someone who talks about just tactics. He can merge tactics with your prof, your P and L, or and your balance sheet, and he sees a bigger picture from an operational standpoint. And that is why I really connected with him in this conversation. We were you know moving from business implications through to tactics were just it was like a it was like a ping pong it was it was real real good rhythm we, we built over the conversation one hour conversation so brace yourself um it really just getting into what you need to do to survive now in um in 2022 with um with 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 the drop of you know data um you know most advertising platforms are getting from ios users um, we talked a lot about team building. I think that was a super, super powerful um, point when why I think I asked him around what is the team required to moving from under 10 million or even from 1 million to 100 million? What are the building blocks from a team building perspective? And he he, gave, he went deep, real deep. Um, we talk about subscriptions, just the the what you, your expectation from a CLV standpoint from subscriptions. He gave some really, really good numbers. All in all, you know, um, I was I thought this conversation was going to be like 30 minutes. It ended up being an hour for good reason. Um, so if you are thinking or you started a subscription initiative, subscription commerce initiative, um, if you're thinking about building um, a, if if you're in on the quest of building a hundred million dollar plus e-commerce business, um, you should listen to this episode. You really should listen to this episode. Um, he is he's 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 speaking from the trenches, and um, he he has the experience and the battle scars to 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 speak to 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 to, to everything he's saying essentially. So um, yeah, enjoy this episode. Um, want to give a shout out to our new sponsors, Recharge. Um, they're a subscription. They're, they're the premium. They're the number one subscription, um, you know, platform or subscription app on the Shopify platform. Um, they're, 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 they're with us sponsoring the show. Um, great product, you know, and great sponsors. Um, and yeah, just 
enjoy this conversation. Um, I'll be sharing more details about our event um, coming up in London in person, in person. I'm going to see you guys. I'm going to hug. I'm going to touch. I'm going to kiss every one of you. Right. Um, so so that um, I'm excited in London. And, you know, who knows beyond London, we might have, you know, New York editions. We, I, I definitely love the, the West Coast. No hate on the East Coast, but definitely want to do something on the West Coast, want to do something in Texas. You know, bring, bringing people together, bringing people, listeners of this podcast together, you know, uh, and, and um, I'm looking forward to it anyway. So enjoy my, um, my, my interview with Ivan Paget um, from Stealth Venture Labs. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Nun, and Chubby's. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Hi, Ivan. Welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast. Hey, what up? Thank you for having me. I was about to say welcome to you, but this is your show, not mine. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, we, we've had quite a, a fun um, pre-interview anyway. So um, yeah, well, we'll just jump right in. Okay, um, for, for for people who really want to, to get to know you, I mean, you've been 20 years in the industry. That's um, substantial. And um, you speak a lot to subscription commerce, which which is really really relevant right now but i want to kind of get to your to your to the starting days of e-commerce those nascent days why did you get into e-commerce well uh 2002 it was a job um so i was a, a nerdy kid growing up uh you know building web pages in the late 90s on notepad in, mm-hmm. in on there just freehanding code and that's how you did it back then you didn't have fancy tools to build web pages that would just fill in code for you, you had to close your own tags right um, so I was doing that all through high school and, uh, and just video gaming as well. Just very tech inclined. I, I just love technology. The moment I, I, I saw in the moment I saw computers and the moment I had a, a 2400 baud modem. Uh, so that is, you know, uh, that's very, very slow. Um, very, very slow modem. I was like, this is, there's something here. Like this is just the future. Right. And I, I recognized that at, you know, 16, 17 years old, um, had fun with it. Uh, went to college. I was going to university to to actually become a scientist. Um, I, I was just just intrigued by that. Uh, but one of my best friends, actually my best friend growing up that I did this nerdy stuff with, he took a job in Southern California. He actually quit high school, which I don't recommend doing. Uh, but he quit high school um, to take a job in Los Angeles. And um, yeah. yeah. So, so you're 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 Colorado based. Yep. Um, did you grow up in 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 California? I grew up in Oregon, um, north of California. Yeah, Oregon, okay. And oh, then uh, I'm okay. now in Colorado. I've been in Colorado for about five years okay. now, but spent most of my career, most of like basically twenty to thirty five in in Southern California, in in Los Angeles. Okay, makes sense. Okay. Which 
So, so my friend, my best friend from high school, he dropped out of school to go work for this company. This would have been in like 1999. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, that's insane. He was a graphic designer and a coder as well. And he was at, working at this company. Years later, I reconnected with him. He was visiting and he's 20 at the time. And um, I was just like, what are you doing? And, you know, he's making good money in Southern California. And he's talking about all these things that I know about. I threw out there. I'm like about to go to university. I threw out there. Well, hey, if you you know have any interesting jobs that I you think I could do, buddy, like let me know. He gets back there two weeks later. He calls me up and says, "Like, hey, you want to move down here? You'd be a a junior analyst is, is what I was called working at this company <laughs> uh, that became Intermix Media." Um, and I'll explain that because there's an interesting story there. Um, um, and, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not? Like, sounds fun. I'm 20 years old and moved to Southern California. What could go wrong?" Um, Joined this company. This company was called Intermix Media, and it was most notoriously or uh, most famous for being bought by Fox Interactive Media for the property MySpace. Mm. So I was working at the company MySpace, um, but I was in a totally different product market division selling uh, all sorts of healthcare products, Simpsons bottle openers, little RC cars on the internet. Um, and and my job was running invoices. This is like the early days of the internet. So running invoices Mm -hmm. and getting IO signed insertion orders, right? Because you just talk to somebody on the Mm -hmm. other side. Um, I was like, this is fascinating. I'm just in this office in a cubicle. It's very cliche, Silicon Beach style. You know, there's an arcade in there, a bunch of 20 somethings running around making money, basically. Um, Fox bought that company. Uh, the people I was working with, they didn't care about, Fox didn't care about the the, the product marketing side. Like they, they wanted MySpace at the time. Uh, so they bought it for MySpace. The people that were selling products, we splintered off. And I became, um, I joined with these people that started a company called uh, Intelligent Beauty at the time. And we were selling skincare, mm-hmm. some weaker creams. We were notorious for like, you know, the ads that sideswipe and you have a wrinkly face and they go right. away. I've been there. That's <laughs> millions of dollars spent on all that. Um <laughs> I grew with the industry. The before and afters. Oh, before and afters. Absolutely. Like you're you're yeah. 90 and all of a sudden you're 20 again. I I helped make those ads. Okay. I did. I hand <laughs> hand up. I did. Um <laughs> so then uh, you know, we so we were we were doing product marketing and we were just we were doing the same thing. And I I grew, so I became a marketer. That's sort of where I became more of a marketer. I started uh, working on landing page optimization. Uh, analyzing customers, analyzing what they're doing, uh, created a lot of using my tech background, being able to just sort of extract data and ha- do some fun things with it. Grew and grew and grew. That company shifted from beauty products to fashion. I was growing with the company. I was focused on analytics. Then it became sort of the shared service head there. And that's where I grew into analytics, became analytics and member service. And I grew our customer mm-hmm. service organization from like 30 people that had to grow to like 600 people in a few years because we were growing so, mm-hmm. so rapidly. Um, was that Just Fab? That was that Just Fab, yeah. So Just okay. Fab, uh, we acquired a company called Shootazzle. They launched brands called Fabletics and Savage yeah. X by Rihanna, same company. Um, yeah. So I, I just kept growing with the company and we were hyper growth. And I just like, Adam Goldenberg, the CEO there is a, a very close personal friend and Don Ressler and mentors of mine. Honestly, I learned so much from them. Um, and I just kind of mm-hmm. kept taking on more responsibility. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm running four departments. I'm running customer acquisition, managing about mm-hmm. $120 million a year in advertising throughout all of our brands because mm-hmm. we were a centralized customer mm-hmm. acquisition team. Member mm-hmm. service with like almost 1,000 agents. Analytics as a shared service to provide data to whomever needed it and whatever they needed it for. And market research, mm-hmm. just 
throw that in there because it's tangentially analytic related, right? What was the third one? You said customer acquisition member 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 um, service membership, uh, member analytics service. and uh, market research. Okay. So I was doing all those, and then finally the day came. I got uh, Adam came to me and said the business is getting too big. He he built just fab. He he built that company. Yeah. And then he was like, I need you to be the GM and run just fab because he's got he's got a purview over everything. Because we were worldwide by then. We had entities in Europe and we were doing some yeah. stuff in Australia. It's so all this stuff. So I became one of the people running the just fab brand. Uh, running a brand. So I was managing all of a sudden a $300 million PL. I was managing about $50 million in media that I had to be really responsible for. Um, and we acquired Shoe Dazzle in the process. So I'm running two teams. I had about 80 people uh, sort of in my org. Um, Which is another subscription business, yeah, Shoe Dazzle. It was, yeah. Okay. It was actually the – Shoe Dazzle came first. We built Just Fab when we tried to buy Shoe Dazzle and it didn't work out. And then uh, we ended up buying them later. Um, so success story there. Um, that was right. awesome. That, that was a, I had a great time. I did that job for two years. Uh, the the top top job and it was it was awesome. We built the company. I grew revenues, but I actually hit a point where I was like, "Hey, I, Adam, I've been working for you for 15 years, literally from 20 to about 35 years old." Um, <laughs> but all of my 20s wiped. I learned a ton, but they're gone. Uh, I was having we were having our second kid, me and my wife. I was like, "I think I need to take a little bit of a break." And they're like, let's transition me out. Like, uh, you're you're my dear friend, still love you to death, but let's transition me out. Um, okay. so I transitioned out. I was going to take a year off about two months into that year. I found, uh, or I should say I was pointed at a company called thrive market and they were up and coming LA brand, sweetheart business in the, in the, in the, in the area. Everyone knew about them. Hyper growth. I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. I'll jump back in. And I was the chief marketing officer there. Uh, awesome company, amazing cause. Like I could talk forever about the people of that company, how awesome they were, the mission that they're behind. Like, it's beautiful, really. And they're really doing great things. Um, but after a year and a half, I realized that it wasn't for me. And, and the only reason why it wasn't for me had nothing to do with the company. It had to do with, I'm at that point an operator. Like, I don't like to be just a marketer. I definitely identify as a marketer, but I like running businesses. And like, yeah. they had plenty of leadership there. I was just like, hey, Nick, you know, this isn't going to work. I transitioned out. Played around in LA for a while and then met my business partner here at, at Stealth. His name's Brent Freeman. He's the founder here at Stealth. Um, and then I sort of made that transition to the to the client service side from being the client for most of my career. And that's where I'm at now. And and that's what we're building. And it's fun. It's a super story, super story there. Um, there's a lot to unpick and pick there. <laughs> Jump in. Um, <laughs> Yeah, particularly um, the transition, the Just Fab to Thrive Markets transition. They're, they're both, am I right in saying they're both inherently subscription-based businesses? Very unique subscriptions, but yes, subscription businesses. So how do they differ, So, from, in your opinion? Just Fab, when I was there especially, it had a, uh, a system of credits and basically store credit, and you were sort of on a subscription where every month we'd ask you to buy products, and if you didn't buy, you'd have a credit stored up. That you could use later. So we use that to sort of mm -hmm. help inventory, control cash, be able to give flexibility, but um, but have revenue coming in. Thrive was a lot more, we, we marketed this heavily at the time, and they might still do this some, but we said, hey, we were Costco meets Whole Foods, but online. So an annual access membership instead of a membership for the products. And they were both okay. um, very different in that regard, but the membership key the, the membership for thrive was 
the key to get through the door, so to speak. And then once you're a member, you're getting awesome products at the best prices possible. And is it digital native, Thrive Markets? Yes, or, digitally, um, digital okay. first. They've now they've they've now launched their own brand, and they have probably thousands of SKUs in their own brand now. It was just starting when I got there, so they have their own mm-hmm. brand, but they are only digital. As far as I know, they are not in any retail. None of their products are in retail. Um, and and that company had one main goal, which I love. This is a big part of why I joined that company. It was trying to solve uh, what, what we call in the U.S. Uh, um, the a food desert problem, which is people that, say, have gluten issues or want organic and non-GMO foods, sometimes in, in the country are 40, 50, 60, 100 miles away from a place that could get those mm. foods. We said, mm-hmm. we're going to deliver those to you. And guess what? It's actually going to be cheaper than the processed foods as long as you pay for mm-hmm. the annual membership and you're ordering every week, you're, it doesn't matter. You one-time membership fee or one-time annual membership fee. And it was really driving home that organic foods and non-GMO, like all the, the better foods most likely for you can, yeah. don't have to be more so, expensive. Um, so, so it's, it's in, in its, in its DNA, it's very, very values driven mm-hmm. and, and that's amplified into the products, you know, into its offering essentially, I, I can see it here, which is pantry staples. So like plant, plant-based. A lot of shelf stable stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, oils, I, like at the time we were pretty notoriously famous for, you know, your first order came with a free coconut oil or a free, mm-hmm. uh, three is one of our first products that we made was a, a thrive market branded coconut oil. Um, which uh, a lot of people with um, that are adverse to using vegetable oils or canola oils, and, and they would use coconut oil and everything. That was a big hook for us. That was our marketing hook to get people in and to, to try the membership mm-hmm. out um, and mm-hmm. validate the value of that membership too. And, and, and it, it just became evident quickly that like, hey, this 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 bag of, of chips or crisps or whatever that is organic compared to the one that's not, it doesn't have to cost 50% more. It really doesn't mm. just grow like retail stores do that, but the, the actual finished cost is not that different and we can sell it for, for cheaper as long as we have that membership behind it. And that was beautiful. And I think they're at millions of members now and doing very, very well. Obviously the, the pandemic for better or worse really helped that business, but they were mm. doing really well before the pandemic. So really proud to Incredible. have even been a small part of that journey. Yeah. Can't wait for them to come to the UK. Um, yeah. I'll be, I'll be knocking on their doors. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, just looking into, so Stealth Venture Labs, you, you started out with your business partner, Brent. Yep. Um, so, so who do you serve um, inherently? The bootstrapper, the funded, you know, VC backed, you know, commerce business. Which, we try to avoid you? too much VC backed. Um, nothing against VCs, but VCs complicate things um, a little bit. Doesn't mean why? we won't work with them. <laughs> um, why, why do VCs complicate things? Uh, well, it, they're a uh, they're another voice in the room, and a lot of um, I would say less than experienced or sort of first time successful entrepreneurs don't do a good job. Um, or rarely do a good job managing their board, right? So if you have VCs, you got a board. If you got a board, you have people as a, as a CEO telling you what to do, what not to do. They kind of have the purse strings proverbially. Um, you know, they're like, oh, you need more money. You better listen to what I say. So like a lot of that with acquisition marketing gets really complicated because we're here spending your money to try to make you more money, right? And mm-hmm. the, the acquisition marketing comes in waves. Like sometimes it's really good. You have seasonality, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes CPMs go up. 
Sometimes algorithm changes. Sometimes iOS 14 happens. And all of a sudden, VCs panic. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes iOS 14.5 happens. And then, you know, VCs get put a lot of heat on CEOs. And then they're like, oh, you know, scratch your marketing team or this other marketing team to be real. So, I, you know, look, I'm not going to turn away business. It's, it's VC back. We, we work with plenty that are. But I will say that VCs at times can complicate our dynamic with brands. So we work with... Um, we sort of have two pillars of, of our business. We have what we call our founder lab, which mm-hmm. is uh, really meant for entrepreneurs that need a full service marketing team to do everything to bring their product to, okay. to life. Um, okay. And okay. occasionally we work with like big established brands that are like, hey, we, we want to expand our product line and we need a team that can turn this around in you know 60 days and get us to market. And they already know yep. what they want, but they need an execution team to do it and then a marketing team to run it and do acquisition marketing when it's done. So that's our founder lab side. Mm-hmm. And then our growth lab is really more yep. of a traditional ad agency um, mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, we're a team of people that manage your media dollars focused on all the channels that we can control sort of behind a computer or in front of mm-hmm. a monitor. And uh, we're pretty good at it. And, and what I mean by that is I built teams that, at JustFab, we were managing about $10 million a month in advertising. At Thrive, at the time, several million dollars a month in advertising. Um, and I built a team that I would trust without those kinds of budgets. Um, and that's what we've built here. And we work with companies that have budgets of like, you know, $20,000 a month to upwards of $10 million a month um, and everywhere right. in between. And, and we provide strategy, media buying, creative post-production creative production we're starting to get into. And, and that's the ability for me and my team to really, I've never been on the client side until, or the client service side until now. I've been that client. I've been that person looking at an agency being like, why aren't my CACs better? Or, you know, like get us going on this. Yeah. I've been that person. Now I'm on the end. other side. <laughs> yeah. 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 Going to the other side. Which would you term the dark side? A- agency or client? Ooh, you know, they both, <laughs> you know, the client service side, is uh, a lot more active listening, right? Um, a lot more understanding, <laughs> a lot more negotiating than when you're on the mm-hmm. client side. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got great benefits uh, th- in the sense of um, we like it when we win and our clients win, we win. Um, it's also, I built this company and me and Brent uh, have really built this company on some core principles of for example, like just working here at Stealth, you know, just not just who we service, but working here, we have our team that doesn't have to work weekends. We don't bother them. I don't mm-hmm. bother people. I, I brought in professionals that are really good at what they do um, mm-hmm. and let them do what they're awesome at. And they don't, when you do that, there's a little bit of magic there where a lot of agencies, I'm not calling any out by name, a lot of agencies sort of have people that could talk, but then the people that are actively in the accounts are, are so far away from the strategy that there's a loss of fidelity there. But with us, Mm-hmm. You're talking to the person that's going to then get off the call and go in the platform and make the changes. And I think that that's just, it's maybe a little less margin rich on my side, but it leads to better service, which ultimately leads to collective success. So um, yeah. th- there's darkness on both sides, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very, I'm trying to yeah, be diplomatic a with my diplomatic answer. diplomatic way of, of saying things, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's 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 delve into team building. Yeah, um, you you know you 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 can speak to you know VC setups, you know the Fabletics and mm-hmm. um, you know Thrive Markets, but 
in 2022, if you were, um, you know, if you were a growing startup, you've, you've shown some traction um, and it's been really sort of bootstrapped and been, um, yeah, just, just been basic essentially. Um, how would you structure your direct-to-consumer e-commerce business for scale, given you know, you're looking to grow it to the 100 million mm-hmm. plus sort of stratosphere, who who would you sort of put as a, you're a chief operating officer at um, your CEO or at Stealth yeah. Labs, but who would you put in the mix to to, to make this happen? How would you structure That's a team great question. Um, speaking to founders, essentially. Yeah, no, I think that, so we work, at, Brent and I um, use something which uh, I am, I've been a part of a lot of management systems, like, you know, the Rockefellers and, and all these different like tools that you can use to run your organization. And, and we run something called EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. Um, I love, if I was starting a business right now and Brent and I work hand in hand with like this, they, they have something what's called the VI combo, Visionary Integrator. Um, visionaries are the creative people, the blue sky dreamers, the people that are persistent optimists that can never be turned off. Right. The, the, mm-hmm. the, this is going to change the world mentality. And, and my business partner, Brent changes the world. He's an, an amazing person. Um, and then there's the integrators. So that's, that's me in this case, integrator I, makes visionary dreams come true. So I'm the person that is in there making it happen. And I think any good business I've worked for dynamic duos in my whole career. Granted, there's only two other jobs before this, but at the top of Just Fab, Just Fab Inc., or now known as Textile Fashion Group, you have Adam and Don. They were a visionary integrator combo. Um, at the time when I was at Thrive Market, um, you had Nick Green, um, you had Sasha, who was a, another co-founder there, and you had a guy by the name of Gennar Lovelace, and they were basically visionary integrator combos there as well. They had a vision, then they had people to get it done. So if I'm starting a brand right now, I'm, I look at myself as an integrator. I need a visionary to be that blue sky dreamer. Step one, get that in place. And if you're that visionary, get yourself an integrator because that's how you make your dreams come true. Um, beyond building a team beyond that. So you, now you got your, your two co-founders, right? You got your partnership going. Um, when you're trying to find growth and marketing, let's just leave the fact that you need capital and all that aside, the fundamentals you need. Um, you want a marketer that understands philosophically what you're trying to build. And that's your, you know, call it your, your head of marketing at the time. They're probably a director or vice president level somewhere that can do anything. Like they roll up their sleeves and don't skimp out on this. Do not skimp out on your marketer if you are trying to build a direct-to-consumer customer acquisition focused company, make sure from the get-go you have an awesome direct marketer on your team. And an awesome direct mm-hmm. marketer on your team doesn't necessarily mean that they just follow Gary Vee's podcast and all everything he's done and they've read all the books. You need practical application. I, I look for people that have worked at big budget brands, brands that I know spend millions a month because that experience is worth much more than every every book you could read, every podcast you can listen to, the hands-on experience there, someone that's managed millions of dollars themselves and th- that's not scary to them, that's the people you need on your team that can help. If you're trying to build a $100 million brand, guess what? You're spending 
30, $40 million a month on advertising or uh, 30 to $40 million a year, probably on advertising yeah. at a certain point. Yeah. You don't want yeah. that mismanaged. You don't want that to be on the CEO or the COO. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, sort of the last piece I think you need. So you have a, you have a visionary who's looking into the future, blue sky dreaming. You have an integrator who's rolling up their sleeves and getting the team right and making sure that we're scalable. And that's usually a COO profile. You have an awesome marketer. Don't forget what matters most, your customers. So you need somebody that is customer empathetic. Usually they are brand focused that can, that can be, the, be the voice of the customer and what the customer needs to hear. And they need to be able to shake things up even at that founder level a little bit and have a, have a voice at the table that says, I hear you. You want to sell this for that price. But I'm going to tell you on the, on the ground level, customers aren't going to buy that. Or that's not a great customer experience. Um, you need mm -hmm. that voice of the customer in there early. If you have those four pieces without the nuance of like, yeah, we need technology. Or yeah, we need graphic designers and all these things too. Like you need production work. But like those four corners of the bedsheet, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. would really help you build out anything. If you have those four people in place, you could pretty much build anything and, and do something really well. I love that, Evan, because I was speaking with my business partner today um, to just speaking to the fourth role you talked about um, to my business partner this afternoon, which was this <laughs> We didn't plan that. Get, yeah, we, we didn't, not, not at all. And it's really speaking to, you know, trying to dig, get into the heads of customers, essentially, because we're, we're in it. We come every day to the office for customers. So, so how do we, you know, get the insights? How, how are we empathetic enough to, to, to get out of them? Who Who is their representative? Who's in 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 the business yes critical so i do have a question around for, for that particular role yeah. which is um would you say that person is a product market person because you know customer insights is part of product marketing mm -hmm. or would you boldly go and say okay this is a customer success role mm. question uh, i think that they definitely need to have product market skills and and, and try to find product market fit so this person um, if they're going to say this is what the customer would want or should want, or is going to be that voice, I say, great, show me the data. And as you're going to, I'm a data focused yeah. person in yeah. the end of the day. I, I don't, I don't live off of, uh, I, I try to quantify everything I can in this business. And I, that's what drew me to this business initially, uh, in general. So I say, great, show me the data on that. And then it's got to be hypothesis driven. It's got to be able to say, hey, I have this idea. I think customers are going to like this kind of payment model. And here's why. Great. Get some customers on it and show me what it looks like. Show me their LTV. Um, so they have to be able to find product market, product market fit, and be able to uh, negotiate that through the proper channels to say, hey, here's what the user experience and onboarding looks like. Here's how we educate the customers about what our product is. Um, the benefits it, it provides. So one thing that marketers, I think the, the biggest mistake, little tangent, but the biggest mistake marketers make, marketers want to talk about the features of their product. They don't talk about the benefits enough. And like when we're, at, where I'm sitting here at Stealth, when we bring in our clients, we talk, we look and, the most people having trouble coming to us, they have this problem where take a meal at home company, a feature of meal at home, food shows up at my door and it's good food. Those are features. Those are like the table stakes. But what's the benefit? Well, the benefit is I don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. Yeah. I, it takes me two minutes to cook this food. So now I have more time to spend with my family, with my friends. It's, it's convenient. Um, 
I'm eating healthier and living a healthier life, right? Maybe with your meal at home company, right? Like depending on their focus. That's a benefit. That's what people are looking for. They're not looking for the features. The features you could rattle off. That doesn't make you unique. The benefits of what your product is, what makes it come to life. Um, and that's where a lot of brands, when we get, to, we look at their ads and it's just like, oh yeah, same day shipping and arrives in two days. And it's like, great, but you're not talking about the benefits that provides me. That, that means I don't have to go to the store. That does, means I don't have to miss my kid's soccer game because mm-hmm. dinner's going to be ready, right? Um, so that's one piece that I, I'd mentioned there is just like, that's one marketing thing that we see miss time and time again, but that all comes back to that person in that product marketing role needs to be able to understand that. So they're not just talking features of what your product mm-hmm. does. They're talking about how that product, especially in subscription makes your life better. And, 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 and where are the key feedback outputs for that role? Um, I'm thinking into like further product optimization mm-hmm. and then customer experience. Yep. Um, and probably the website, you know, um, so pre-purchase, you know, being there, post-purchase, you know, being being there after if shit, you know, hits the fan <laughs> after a purchase, you know, being there yep. and then, <clears throat> you know, product improvements, you know, and just experience essentially, you know, it, it has to feed, their, 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 their output has to feed into key um, um, components of, of business to, to, to really optimize it, right? Yeah, so I think their output is uh, they got to be data-driven. They're definitely more of an integrator mindset, analytic-minded. So they're, they're, they're looking mm-hmm. at the data. They're adjusting based off of data, generating new hypotheses uh, to test and experiment with. They have to be able to, to deliver that message to production, meaning, your, say, your designers or tech, in, in such a mm-hmm. way that's not like, make this site prettier. That doesn't help. Right. It needs to mm. say, hey, I want to move the, the call to action here. I want to try a different hero product there. And here are the, the headline and the sub headlines that I want to run. Right. And they need to be able mm. to articulate that. And it doesn't mean they're writing it themselves necessarily, depending on your company. Right. But they 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 know something's amiss. They know when it's going to look right to fit their hypothesis. And they're delivering that. Um, so their yeah. output is that their output is data on that. And they have to be of a mindset of like one of the best product one of the best people I ever worked with, this guy by the name of uh, Ryan Heller, who's the chief marketing officer at Fabletics now. Um, and there's a competitive nature there. And the, com- the competition in this case is with yourself, looking at mm-hmm. how, to, like, okay, we got a win. What's our next win? I'm not satisfied with that win. I'm not satisfied with that. And they're, they're looking to constantly evolve the product and they're competing with their own results. And that is a, that is super rare. Just in general, that is a hard thing to find because there's a sense of I ran I ran the race and the race is over. Good job, everybody. Put your feet up. Put my yeah. feet up and be like, let's let's just let's just enjoy this win. It's like Post. awesome. We got a win. How do we make this better? Never satisfied. And that's like so he's one of the best I've ever worked with that did that. And I find and I, and I try to find that in other people that we're hiring because um, that means that they will never stop pushing the ball forward for your company and you need to mm-hmm. appreciate them because they are the, they can be the difference in your company being okay to being incredibly successful because they are on the ground being an agent for change and not mm-hmm. just talking about the things that can happen. They're like, I got up 10 tests deep and I got 10 more coming and mm-hmm. here's what we're testing. And uh, you know, I'm going to deliver results and, and with, they take more from losses than they do from wins. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, this loss, but why, yeah, but absolutely. why did it lose? And then they're, they're pushing that and they're saying, okay, I was wrong about this. Let's try this. 
and they get up, do it again. Like that's, that is a changer for your business. Mm -hmm. So finding that person Mm -hmm. and having them be not so high up that they're, that they're just talking because that's, that's the graduation point. When you're an executive, you're just putting things into action usually, but they're in there and they're making change Mm -hmm. happen. And that is, that will make your business so much better. Incredible. That's, that's an amazing insight. Amazing, amazing insight. Um, You know, just, yeah, just self constant improvement. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationships with your customers and makes it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscriptions payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. I I can't let you go even without actually speaking to like subscriptions and retention and its place in commerce. Um, Obviously with the, with, are you a fan of Shopify? Um, I'd just like your opinion. Just top. Yeah, level. pretty big fan. Yeah. Pretty big fan. Okay, right. Um, so in the um, just in, in the ecosystem with the rise of Shopify, you know, some may beg to differ now with um, with their share price, you know, going down. But <laughs> with the general rise of, of Shopify and um, you know just D 2 C e commerce, they they are you know they they do embody you know this this mission of um, you know D 2 C business, you know D 2 C e commerce. Where does where do subscriptions sort of fit at, at the moment? You know, yeah. um, how, how do you see subscriptions in the ecosystem of um, of e-commerce? It's a staple in SaaS, as we all know. As, yeah. Um, but, 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 but in e-commerce, where where does it sit? So uh, 
Yeah, this is, you know, sit, sit, sit back and enjoy this answer. Um, <laughs> e-commerce and subscription commerce. Subscription commerce does a lot of things. And I'm such a big fan of it. I've been doing it for 20 years. So, yeah, my bias is there. Um, but subscription commerce creates predictable revenue, creates a relationship with consumers that is more than just a transaction in and out of your store, um, and has to live up to a certain set of promises, meaning right now in the world that we live in, you can't just throw stuff in a box and ship it to customers and say, here's your stuff. You got to be a company that has its own identity because you are, you are now most likely for most subscriptions optional, but you're saying, let's, let's, Let's have you give me money as a company. Let's have you give me money for a while. And I'm going to deliver on this promise time and time and time again. And customers are fickle. If you miss on that promise, they will remember that. They will talk about that. And they won't let you live it down. So Shopify, to bring this back to Shopify, Shopify is an amazing platform to just get a business off the ground. I think it's one of the most friendly e-commerce platforms out there as far as its ability to work for my first business to my $100 million business or more. Like they really do have a broad scale. Um, and then I am personally biased on uh, the, the uh, recharge app for subscriptions. Um, yeah. it, it covers most they're, use cases. They're about to sponsor our show. Um, for oh, next month. hey, there we go. So um, <laughs> that also unplanned. But I, my, my company, namely Brent, uh, he's very close with Oshin there, and like we, Brent was like one of the first customers to ever use Recharge it, when, when it first mm-hmm. came out. My business partner, um, and it covers most use cases. Like everyone, like subscriptions can get really unique and kind of out there. And yeah, I may not be able to do everything, but like ninety five percent of subscriptions you can handle with that platform, and it works really well. And it's so easy to use. You can. I, I I've shown this to people several times over. I've given them. We we have something here at Stealth. I'm going to plug part of what we do here at Stealth. We have a, a something called the Impact Lab. It's a nonprofit 501c3. Um, and what we do is we created a, an academy for people to launch their own businesses and teach them step-by-step mm. for, for inner-city kids here in the U.S. how to launch mm. their business. And we actually fund them with like their first $5,000 in advertising. Mm. Um, but we built a, a, a product to show them how to launch from ideation on Shopify to and then all the way to delivery using all the apps that we would recommend um, mm-hmm. and get businesses off the ground because it's so easy and you can actually do it yourself over a weekend. Uh, and I've mm-hmm. done this myself over weekends. My business partner has like once you do it once, you're like, oh, OK, yeah, just click, 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 click. I need assets. You got to get all your stuff in a row. But then like building a, an, an actual working store over a weekend. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it'll look good. You can make a good looking store. You can market that store. Uh, you could you could decide on a Friday night what your business you're going to build, and if you got inventory, you could be selling it on Monday. Like it's cool. It's so cool to me. Like it, it, you used. To, I come. I come from like in the, it's freedom. It's freedom. It's I, it's absolute. It's, I, I came from like the early two thousands where it was like a, a business. I, the first thing I had to go do was find a million dollars from somebody to be able to go yeah. get a developer to build me e commerce store and to go hire all these people. It's like. If you got the stuff, you can launch your stuff over a week. Like that's amazing to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So yeah, big fan. Shopify. <laughs> amazing. Speaking to subscriptions again, the topic of subscriptions and like a product stack, like the your product offering mm-hmm. to your customers. So, so for for listeners who are like, well, you know, um, screw it, I. Um, my products don't really lend themselves to subscriptions. We sell, you know, this and that. 
Um, we sell, you know, really chunky items or what have you, you know, um, how would you, from your experience, how would you start to think about subscriptions at a product stack level, mm -hmm. product offering level, um, in order to really bring driving that predictability, um, from a customer relations yeah. standpoint, which obviously translates to revenue um, long term. So uh, there are very, very, very few businesses out there I don't think could have some form of subscription or recurring revenue model attached to them. And I challenge, mm -hmm. I get this challenge every so often. And I look at um, even if your product, for whatever reason, say your physical product doesn't necessarily lend itself to subscription. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it's incredibly chunky maybe it's a very valuable or you know uh, like you know rolex maybe they're not going to have a recurring revenue model anytime soon however however i don't know this for a fact i bet I, they might they might have a recurring revenue model and it's in the form of service maybe it's in the yeah. form of yeah. uh, extra content it's a form of um you know they they could they could it may not be in their brand they could create something where like hey you buy a rolex and um, you can join this club to also be able to go to any Rolex store and they'll fully clean and, and f refurbish your watch. And you bought a $50,000 watch, what's another $500 a year, $50 a month to make sure it stays in perfect working order, right? Um, so I just pulled that one out, right? Like, so so you can, I people, there's a, there's a hesitancy to it because Running a subscription business and recurring revenue business is hard. It's harder than just having a, a store with doors open and you say, hey, pick what you want and I'll ring you up at the counter, so to speak, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, but it's so much more rewarding because the predictability of your revenue, the ability to have a deeper relationship with the customers that you do have in the form of communications, in the form of loyalty to, to them, in the form of authentic um you know, consumer emotions towards your brand and what it stands for is just so mm -hmm. much more worth it. So um, there are very, very few brands. I, very, I can't even really think of one off the top of my head where you could find a way to create a recurring model. But mm -hmm. what you need to do if you're trying to get one is look at what customers, what could you provide your customers that they would need on at least a quarterly basis? And I'd say yeah. subscriptions don't have to be monthly. They could be annual. Thrive Market was an annual subscription. Um, mm. They don't have to That's be monthly. True. That's a very good point, yeah. Uh, quarterly models, I love quarterly models because they, it, it, quarterly consumer packaged goods because monthly stuff can can get overwhelming. I, I think there's a, I would say anecdotally, this is a, a full disclosure and off the hip stat, but um, so not necessarily totally, totally true, but <laughs> I would say a majority of monthly subscriptions, the customers that churn out they turn out because they have too much of your stuff, unless it's a total consumable, like it's, it's food or something they got to eat yep. or it spoils. They just have too much stuff. But quarterly paces that out. The moment you're two or three boxes deep, let's say you're six months in, your seventh month and eighth month are like, I got too much stuff and I got to cancel or, or come back to it later. But quarterly, you're only getting four shipments a year or five, including yep. the first shipment, right? Um, yep. Chances are you're not overly using that product. There's a good balance there. It's it, great for fashion. We, we we see that a lot with fashion brands that do deliver sort of quarterly trends instead of trying to do monthly. Um, so your your business doesn't subscription does not mean a monthly bill. It could be an annual bill. It could be a, a quarterly bill. It could be a semi annual bill. Um, mm -hmm. You can find something that your business can do that would just that you can you can spend money on. Say say I need to have a personal stylist. Say someone wants to have yeah. a personal stylist service. Well, yeah. we'll charge you. 
you know, $50 a quarter and you get a one hour consultation with a stylist and yeah, you're paying that stylist, you know, $20, $30 an hour, somebody, you know, yeah. who, what, no, you know, but there's additional revenue there and it's also going to increase your yeah. LTV because that stylist Absolutely. at cost even at cost yeah. could then convince that customer to buy 20% more things and boom, you just added 20% to your LTV. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. A brand I, I work closely with, um, what they do, they, they sell like automotive, um, you know, DIY paint, you know, for mm-hmm. sprays for, for your car. And um, what they did is they created a membership, right? And that membership gives you like, um, yeah, well, um, 5% off, um, you know, purchases, which is, you know, sort of encouraging that repeat customer rate. Mm-hmm. And then it gives them a, a series of perks, like um, expedited shipping. So it's like an Amazon Prime of sorts. Mm-hmm. You pay per year. And there's net saving, obviously, for the customer if they don't spend to a certain threshold. But because they've put that upfront payment there, yep. they tend to be, you know, better repeat customers, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Their purchase frequency kind of bubbles up and um, it's good for everybody, really. They get products and um, they get discounted product. They buy more often and um, there's there's more net revenue per customer for back of that. Which, which is interesting in itself, but but it hasn't sort of hit critical mass. It's it's just for certain cohorts of customers. Which brings me to my next question, which is, in your opinion, or from your data at Venture Labs, what is um, good? What's a good customer retention rate for a non-subscription business, and what is the potential if they were to take subscriptions or you know subscription mm-hmm. commerce a bit ser- more seriously? Got it. Uh, I think um, so. There's a wide range for non-subscription, but I would say on average, you know, the if you're getting, you know, sort of two to three orders per year from a customer on a non-subscription basis for, uh, mm-hmm. say, consumer packaged goods, online e-commerce, you know, company. When I say online, I mean online, vertically uh, native online. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not not dealing with the complications of omnichannel, but you know, you're getting two to three purchases a year. You know, your, your customer LTV is AOV times three. Okay, great. Like, that's, that's good. Um, that, and that would sort of be anything less than two. You got to, you know, you're, it's going to be hard to spend advertising on. Because I always, I'm always looking at like, okay, three or more purchases a year. You can spend some money on advertising to acquire them. You have margin for that, right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Subscription. Subscription on average on a, on a uh, sort of, even if it's quarterly. So I, I use this number uh, all the time. I obviously have a lot more data on subscription. The average customer on subscription is about 5.5, 5.25 to 5.5 orders per year. Um, now, if they're on <laughs> quarterly, it's 5.25 orders per lifetime, which kind of goes into about a year and a half. But that has been a tried and true blended average uh, for for online subscription consumer packaged goods. Higher for things like meal at home, things that are consumable. Um, mm. So that more orders, definitely a lot more orders per year for that. But if I say consumer package goods, um, you're talking about a double LTV and you're also talking about with an LTV that's double. Here's the beauty of it. Again, you can spend advertising on that. You can't yeah. spend advertising. when you don't have the margin, which is a lot of how e-commerce is because there's no guarantee on those subsequent orders. Um, if your row, your ROAS has to be usually three or more for it to even make sense, um, just mm-hmm. to acquire a customer and to make a little bit of money. You have to be sure you can make that money, but subscription, mm-hmm. you can break even on that first order. Most subscription Absolutely. brands 
technically are in in the red on that first order and then they don't make you know their money back after advertising to like order three um but then everything after order three orders four five and six pure margin more customers more predictability uh so you're not overbuying inventory it's just it's just the the predictability comes at a cost of labor but the predictability makes everything so much easier to run your business makes makes a lot of sense um what are your thoughts on um, like subscription maximalist brands where it's subscriptions or nothing? I think Josh Fab had a similar model or Shoe Dazzle um, versus um, we sell to any and everybody. And by the way, you can subscribe to save. Yep. So subscribe to save is or, or just sort of, uh, I guess, subscriptions for for nothing versus subscriptions for a, a physical, you know, physical product um Mm -hmm. your service or whatever you provide for that nothing has to be a i think you have to put a little bit more effort into the relationship you build with the customer they have to get intrinsic value um in your company based on say what you stand for what you do um or know that they can extract value for that down the road in the form of i'm not ordering today but i'm going to order later this was sort of the at the time the just fab model of like Hey, you're not going to order this quarter. That's fine. But now we, you know, we have your money and you have a credit. You can order later. Um, so the, the complicated part, right, is you just have to deal with making sure you live up to customer expectations. And they will, they don't care. The customer's money goes out of their bank account all the same. They need to be able to know that when they look at why am I spending this money per month, per quarter, or whatever, am I getting the value out of that? Am I really mm-hmm. getting the value out of that or will i get the value out of that and it almost doesn't matter if it's a consumer package good or not if it's consumer package good at least you're like all right i got this thing in my hand i i got a thing i feel better about i didn't mm-hmm. waste my money it's not just gone in the ether but the service you have to provide or the cause that you have to stand behind as a company if you're not giving them a physical good or if it's a service or if it's something like i mean look at amazon prime amazon prime mm-hmm the most obvious sort of non-physical biggest subscription that there probably is, but look at what you do Mm -hmm. get with it. Like I have, I have mixed feelings about consumer packaged goods on Amazon, but the fact of the matter is Amazon for, for that $10, $12 a month or whatever it is a year at this point, you get ultra fast shipping, you get extra support, you have movies, you have all these things that prime is the past that gets you into a lot of things. And it's a hard value Mm -hmm. to beat. Because even if I don't watch, if I, there's a month that I don't order from Amazon, which I don't know if that exists, but um, if something like that happens, I still know I have value from it. I still know I have a bunch of movies I could watch. I still know that I'm going to get that value later. And I feel like I've never, I feel like I've always gotten value out of that. So if you, and they're the, I guess, you know, the prime example of that. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say prime in that way, but prime <laughs> example of that. Um, but it, it's true though. It's true because you don't, Jeez. what do you get for that $10 a month? Well, everyone's answer is going to be different, right? But yeah, absolutely. You get something. Yeah, you do. That, that value stack mentality and, you know, continuously stacking it up regardless. Always thinking about, you know, what are the synergies? So one of the things we we discussed with, with them, I don't know whether they've actioned it as yet, was partnering up with with other frenemy brands, you know, and then you know getting their discounts in. So there's a stack. So you know, if people buy 
the, you know, these spray kits, you mm-hmm. know, they might want to buy wheels, you know, like, you know, alloy wheels, so have you partnered with them? So it creates this circle of, um, of value. It's kind of like sometimes, you know, when, I don't know whether you do it in the States, but like when I order, um, so I subscribe to, to certain things. So when I order, um, when I have a subscription coming, a subscription box coming, the pamphlets as direct mail mm-hmm. in the pack, for other brands, probably funded by the fund yep. of this particular commerce brand, and you, you know it's all Chris. It's it's all very congruent. The the um, the experience when you're you know looking at the other offers from other brands, they're not run by the same CEO yep. or same team, but it's all just you know sister synergizing really, um, which makes a lot of sense. Which takes me to <clears throat> my next question, which it's a, is it's a great way to increase LTV as a as a mm. brand though. So you partner with other brands, you say, hey, I'm gonna charge you fifty cents to put your flyer in my box. You're already shipping out that box. Now you subsidize 50% or 50 cents on the cost of shipping that box. You ship, exactly. If you're a bigger brand and you're shipping out 100,000 boxes a month, that's $50,000 in margin you could have just by <laughs> saying, and a brand's going to be like, say you sell sunglasses and another brand sells watches and they're not directly mm-hmm. competitive, but you say, hey, people that buy sunglasses, they have a high propensity to buy a watch. Everybody yeah. can win with that. So like those, yeah. those I've been uh, in charge of a lot of those programs over time and those start, materially adding up to just margin dollars. Um, so I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. And they, they tend to have like unique codes to yep. claim trial QR codes, use this code. Yep. Yeah. And it all yeah, tracks yeah. back. It's beautiful. Measurability. measurability. So speaking about credit systems and, and the points, the really important point you spoke to on value, um, which is, you know, people just need to know that, look, even if I don't, there's no utility this month, you know, there's utility long-term. Um, what are your thoughts on a credit system and um does um like recharge current you know um you know offering support it or with shopify can you implement some sort of you know bank essentially it's it's a it's a it's a bank yeah so in, I, in my experience from this i, I don't mm-hmm. know if recharge or shopify natively has some of that capability i will say this uh from my time in, in just fab in the past um, having a credit system as running it from running a business gets very complicated. And I'm going to butcher some of this because uh, I, I can't pretend it. to be a total expert on it, but you set, you have what's called deferred revenue. Deferred revenue is money that's in your bank. That's not, re- that's sitting on your balance sheet, but it's not really yours yet because, um, it, so you, you need, it gets complicated. There are ways to do it. And it, it, it's probably different in the UK versus here in the States. I know, but like, in order for you to truly have that revenue, cash in the bank, it's great to fund your business. It's great. You, you have deployable cash um, it, for future orders and, and things like that. But how you have VCC deferred revenue, um, how if you're hoping to be big enough to be on Wall Street someday, sees deferred revenue can be a challenge to explain your deferred revenue and how it sits on your balance sheet. Because you'll say, we did $1 million in sales this month. Oh, really cool. But then it's like, well, how much of that is credits? And they're like, well, you know, $400,000 in credit. How much of that credit still on your balance sheet? Well, we have like 1.2 million in credit on their balance sheet right now. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have this gigantic thing of deferred revenue that unrealistically can never really be like, there's not going to be a run on that deferred revenue. But with how your business looks, there's just a part of that that's never realized yet. And all subscriptions, like a prepaid subscription, even just a prepaid subscription, like if you pay for a year of uh, of a product, the way that that company accrues that is uh, on your on your P and L is 
say it's $50 a month and the whole year is $600. Well, uh, you got $600 in cash, but on that first month, you have 550 in deferred revenue from that. And then the next month is 500 Mm -hmm. and you you deprecate out of um, that deferred revenue account. That's predictable, but a, a building system of deferred revenue can be tricky for your business. It's great for cash flow. But mm-hmm. it can be hard to explain to investors. It can also be a pretty big liability on if you spend that cash too early, you don't have inventory, yeah. you know, the ability to buy inventory. So I would say it's great. However, proceed with caution and make sure that you are accounting and create a way to recognize deferred revenue, which is things mm-hmm. like um, here's some mechanisms that I know have been employed in the past are after a period of time, say 18, 24 months. You issue a gift card back for any credit mm-hmm. that people have, and then you have breakage on those gift cards down the road. You know, people don't mm-hmm. spend them or whatever. But now you get to claim that revenue, and that revenue is not sitting in your balance sheet, but it's it's now claimable revenue. So you need a mechanism to do that. There's some tricky ways to do that, fun ways, I should say, not in a bad way. I don't mean tricky in a bad way. <laughs> on the blockchain to do that. Um, but that's a whole different can of worms to go into about how to how to make that is, work on the blockchain. Yes, yes, yes. Enjoying this conversation, um, you know, thus far. Um, so, in the Shopify ecosystem, do, do you, are there any solutions for for? So, for, I think for, you could uh, build that out. There's a couple ways you could do that with Recharge. I believe you could. Um, I don't want to overspeak on this, so I will say that I'm like 85% sure. You could basic basically create a subscription with a virtual product, and then you would need some mechanism to re, to retrieve or spend um, the credit that you've put in on virtual products for, say, a physical product. Um, okay. It would probably, in the shortest term, require some manual intervention. And then if not, you'd have to build it, your own app to sit on top of Recharge to basically um, uh, run that balance of like, hey, I'm a per- I'm Evan. I bought, uh, I'm on this product. It's a virtual good. I'm paying $15 a month. And then some reconciliation when I finally spent 45 of those dollars, there has to be some mm-hmm. checks and balances. So I think it's going to have to be an app that sits outside of that recharge can do the billing. I don't mm-hmm. think that they can create the credit bank at that point. I would also say, and I, as, as much as I love recharge to death, if you're building something like that, you might want to look at natively the Shopify uh, subscription API and might just mm-hmm. want to start by building your own uh, sort of FIFO first in first out. Um, uh, tech to monitor income in create reporting for any deferred revenue balance and the the debit of that and then you could do things like hey i have this i I built in shopify that somebody has x number of valid store credit that's building based on this credit system and then they deprecated that with an order there's got to be an app that logs that transaction, reduces that liability, and mm-hmm. then it shows up on your balance sheet, right? Or it shows right, up in your right. balance sheet. So, so there has to be a reporting system on deferred revenue. Yeah, and um, I don't think um, any of the, I don't think Shopify or Recharge does that out of the gate. I could be natively. wrong, but I don't think they do. Okay, okay, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Right, um, we could go on and on. Like this super interesting conversation, I actually thought it was going to take 30, 40 minutes. It's where we're, we're, we're going to an hour now. to go long, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so being respectful of your time, um, just one more question on your thoughts around um, this post iOS 14.5 world we're living in, um, acquisition, um, you know, Facebook, I think um, they're, 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 they have a, a, a haul of um, 10 billion um, thus far. Um, they did mention that this is going to affect small businesses. Yep. How 
how how should you future proof yourself as a DTC e-commerce business? I think we're in the middle. Yeah, I think I think what's happening now. There's the this is the start of what just a major shift in advertising. We've had a few of these throughout the years. Major Facebook mm-hmm. algorithm changes. The, the actual launching of Facebook's advertising platform um, way back when, um, and every result has sort of been the same. And here's what we're doing: for one, channel diversification. Uh, it, it can't be stated enough places like Snapchat, TikTok, um, rates are cheap and CPMs on fee- on Facebook for like kind audiences that, that we've been able to measure, you know, in some cases up over a hundred percent year over year. So Facebook's going to try to fix that hole. Like I can't speak for Facebook, but one ten billion billion in lost revenue seems low if I'm being honest. Um, but two, what they're going to do to fix that hole is they got to find more advertising spaces. And I don't know, I, I could say I've noticed that like when I'm going through Insta stories, I all see, I, I have runs now where I'll see three ads in a row, like just straight mm-hmm. up swiping through if I'm moving too fast, right? So they're going to create more advertising placements um, to try to find ways to monetize and keep people spending. With that mm-hmm. should come CPM decreases, decreases because there's more inventory out there. We'll see if that, that manifests itself. But channel diversification, regardless, Facebook's still a world-class marketing platform. Small businesses are going to have struggled the most because you need a little bit more capital to get that traction and for the Facebook algorithms and everything to learn. But get in on other channels while you can. TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest even, which is not new, but you you can make that work now. The rates on them are are much more attractive. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, work on attribution. And, and you can triangulate pretty well, even in the absence of Facebook data between, say, using Shopify, using GA with UTM tags properly placed on all of your ads, and using Facebook and Facebook API um, information, you can still get a pretty good read, say, call it 60-ish percent fidelity on what you used to have by just being on last click attribution. And be able to track it back to channel performance. And then you need to be managing your business to a degree on so, so that's part 2A, 2B is that is you need to be managing your business on a fully blended basis. So yeah. um, we've been working with our clients on that. Like we, of course, are focusing on channel performance, but we're not mm-hmm. cutting off our nose to spite our face as far as like blended. If blended's working good, things are good. Even if Facebook says it's not doing that well. We exactly. break Facebook. Guess what? Google organic goes down because people look your product up. That happens, right? Yeah. So that's that's number yeah. two is get your get your data and attribution in place. Um, and then number three is up your creative game uh, and really emphasize like you can't just run an, a, a single frame uh, image that's got a starburst in the corner that says fifty percent off. You know, join today. Really, really listen to your consumers and make ads that are relevant to them and also relevant to the platform. If you're running TikTok ads on Facebook or Facebook ads on TikTok, you're doing it wrong. Like you got to put in the extra effort and say, TikTok has a different type of engagement, needs a different kind of ad than Facebook does. Even Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram kind of need their own little ad unit there, even though they're both running stories. But like, don't be lazy. Really put time into educate people about your product. Have a lot of fun with your creative. Be experimental Mm -hmm. and don't accept just, here's my image. Here's a Starburst, 50% off. And that doesn't work. So. You do those three things well, you'll find a way to make your your marketing work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. Even um, I could go on and on and on. I um, just want to thank you for for coming on the Two X Commerce Podcast Show. Probably not the last time you'll be coming. We might um, when something happens again, we, we we might just have you back again. Anytime. Um, for, for those 
for those who want to, um, you know, find out more about Stealth Venture Labs, who want to follow you, uh, are you active, you yourself active on, on any major channels? Um, by the way, um, the website is Stealth Venture Labs, S-T-E-A-L-T-H-V-A-N-T-U-R-E, labs.com. World's um, longest name. Are you active on any social media? Uh, I, yeah, so you find me on LinkedIn. I, I wouldn't say okay. I'm to the point of being a, a prognosticator there yet, but I will occasionally po- post a good <laughs> gem. But feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I just love talking about this industry. I feel like I've been in it forever. So I'm always available to answer a question. Evan at Stealth Venture Labs, if you'd like to reach out to me. Um, also if, uh, if I could say one more thing is we are, as I mentioned, our, we have a 501 C three, um, you can find information about that on our site. We love taking yeah. uh, donations to help put more kids through this because, uh, we have a very yeah. firm belief in our company about, um, entrepreneurialism starts young and there are a lot mm-hmm. of kids that don't have the ability to, to, to launch their own business and we're right. fixing to change that. So we, you can read more about it on our site, but if people out there want to donate, we're, we are a fully fledged 501c3, you know, it's tax deductible and all that. We'd love that yeah. because um, we're, we're trying to build the entrepreneurs of the future and, and make sure that everybody out there has a chance. So, um, love, love it. Absolutely love it. And um, we'll have a conversation after this um, for sure on, awesome. on that, um, on, on the Impact Lab. Um, can't thank you enough. Thank you. And, and cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it, answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.